Welcome to the Grace-Based Family Podcast. We're We're your hosts, hosts, Karis Murray and Michelle Brook. This is a podcast where we look at the power of grace in the everyday lives of families. We're excited for you to listen in on the conversation. Hey, Karis. I'm Michelle. How are you doing? Um, We're doing pretty good. What are we talking about today? Today, we're going to talk about something. Your dad wrote a book on this years ago, um, Rebellion rebellious kids and Christian kids in particular that are dealing with rebellion. So today we're going to talk about the seven keys to restoring a rebellious child. And I thought it'd be fun to ask, (laughs) what was your most rebellious moment? I don't know if if you feel comfortable sharing. My most rebellious moment. Were you a rebel? Well, I I am kind of that typical firstborn pleaser. Mm -hmm good girl yeah you know I know me too Shoot. and it's so funny because the things that I did that felt like a little rebellious to me then um I don't know like they seem like nothing now but like yeah I would like sneak and watch Matlock <laughs> and murder she wrote such a dark. I love it. That well, hey, I mean, and I still. I mean, that's that must be where I got my taste for yeah. a good murder mystery because I still love shows <laughs> like that. But, um, oh. but yes, I mean, we were like, I think especially because I'm the oldest of four. Mm-hmm. Some of this relaxed a little bit along the way, which is typical when you have yeah. your first child. You're like trying to, you know, mm-hmm. maybe are a little strict on some stuff, and then by the time the baby comes around you know, the youngest kid comes around, it's like you've forgotten all of that stuff. But my parents were, you know, they were careful about what I watched. Right. And so, um, (laughs) Matlock. But yeah, I just think it's funny that the thing that I was like, ooh, I'm home alone. What am I going to do? Watch Matlock. (laughs) (laughs) And their kids are throwing parties. They're doing drugs. And you're like... Is it five o'clock? Is Matt Lock on? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And you had to so. change a channel real quick before mm-hmm. you heard the garage door <laughs> or nine oh two one oh. I would also. Oh, yeah. I mean, that one's a little was a little racy, racy. yeah, a little racier. Yes. But yeah, absolutely. We'd watch nine oh two one oh when when um, I was home alone. So well, what about I, you? I was not much of a rebel either. I mean, one time I snuck out for a few hours with the high school boyfriend. Um, but that was kind of the extent. My yeah. bro- I, my brother was the rebel, so I felt like I had to be the goody goody. Okay. So it yeah. kind of <laughs> spared me from a lot right, of right. negative consequences. But you but snuck out of the house. I mean, that's... I did. And some neighbor narked on me like 10 years later. My mom was like, I know what you did last summer. I remember oh. I, my, a neighbor told us that you snuck out. She saw your boyfriend's truck here and whatever. And I don't even remember where we went. And She's like, I've known for like 10 years. I just, I never said anything. I'm like, that's so weird. It's a long but, time to think about and something And the whole like time that. I was like, what neighbor? She's like, I don't want to say. I'm like, I will cut I will hunt them <laughs> I down. I will cut them. They dimed me out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I'm glad neither of us have dealt with any huge rebellious streaks. But yeah, I feel like I'm far more rebellious now. I mean, mm-hmm. not right. I don't know. It depends on how you define rebellion. But yeah. now I'm much more likely to like if somebody tells me I can't do something, it's a challenge. I, I want to yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. tell me no. So, yeah, and my dad's book that he wrote um on on rebellion is is uh just a really I think important book, mm-hmm. but it's called Why Christian Kids Rebel. Mm-hmm. And you know, he would he would probably want to point out too that it, it would probably be more accurately titled um, 
why kids raised in Christian homes rebel. Right. Be- but that's hard to fit on a book cover, you know, all <laughs> yeah, the logistical reasons the for that. But that would be a more precise way mm-hmm. to say what he was trying to say. Because why Christian kids rebel? Well, yeah. it, you're making the assumption that just because that ch- that kid is raised in a Christian environment that that makes them a Christian or even if they do have a saving faith in Christ they're they're in they're in a process of sanctification mm-hmm. you know and and a process of growing in in their journey with Christ and so to just yeah. assume that because a kid is a Christian that they're not going to struggle with with sin or with rebellion or with mm-hmm. doubts or mm-hmm. you know bad decision boundaries right oh, I mean think about us as adults we're all wayward right we to yeah. for god we're always just like oh i want to do my own thing i want to be in my sin i want to be in my anger whatever it is um we all have rebellious hearts yeah you know yeah. at our core and we god do. is gracious and forgives us and so yeah it's a well, good I know reminder when, when god we're not tells me to do something or not to do something mm-hmm. i i know personally i don't obey immediately yeah I'm getting better at it because mm-hmm. I've I've just seen, well, first of all, seen the faithfulness of God and that right. when he is asking something of me, it's for my good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as, as I draw nearer to him, I have that assurance of like, if he's asking me to do something or not to do something or to give something up or to make some kind of thing that I see as a sacrifice, um, it's for my good, right. um, even if I want to hold on to that thing or that behavior or that, you know, way of behaving. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So but I, I mean, everybody's like, well, don't you expect your kids to obey instantly? And I'm like, well, I don't obey mm-hmm. instantly. Yeah, that's the ideal. But <laughs> that's the ideal. Wouldn't <laughs> it be nice? Easy. But I yeah. think if you hold yourself to that standard as a parent, like I expect my kids to, you know, have instant obedience. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, we're setting everybody mm-hmm. up, uh, up to to fail because they're not going to do it. Right. You're not going to be able to make them do it. And, yeah. um, you know, God expects our obedience. He wants our obedience, but it's for our good. Mm-hmm. And it's not because he's lording over us, waiting for us to, you know, how quick are they going to respond so right. that I can, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, but. absolutely. Well, one thing you, you mentioned is the title of your dad's book is Why Christian Kids Rebel, but could have been called Why Christian Kids Rebel. And um, Yeah, Why the, Kids from a Christian Home yes. were Raised in a Christian right. Family Rebel, right? And he, he mentions these um, five types of Christian, Christianity that can play a part in a child's rebellion. And not and so before we kind of go into keys to restoring a rebellious child, yeah. um, I thought I'd quickly run down the list of these because this was a good reminder just as a parent how not to you know fall into one of these types of, of Christians that can spark rebellion in our kids mm. the first one is compulsory Christianity so that this is where life with Christ is viewed more as a hobby right so some mm. families it's more of a hobby uh, cliche Christianity your life is filled with empty phrases words and beliefs but there's no power behind them so mm. that's cliche Christianity comfortable Christianity is life with Jesus is just based out of convenience pick and choose mm-hmm. when you want to have Jesus on board. Cocoon Christianity, which I think this his book in particular that kind of focuses on this group is as Christian families, we only want to be around other families that look like us, talk like us, 
act like us because we're mm-hmm. really fearful of what everyone else does yeah. in the world. Yeah, I, well, <laughs> and it comes from, you know, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk more about this, but it, it comes from really a, a false theology, this mm-hmm. idea that sin is some kind of an external force right. that exists out there in the world, in the ether, mm-hmm. and that we can protect our kids from sin or that we can protect ourselves from sin. And certainly there are you know, Satan is real. Powers of darkness exist. I'm not saying that, but sin only exists because it lives in us. Right. Right. You know, sin is in our nature, and mm-hmm. so it, it, we, if we position ourselves as it's us against the world, and the world is where sin comes from, I'm sorry. Yeah. It, it's already breached. Yeah, it's on board already. Yeah, it's on board already. <laughs> it is programmed in right. to to you know the DNA, mm-hmm. and, and and so a, a Christian faith, a, a true Christian faith, is a restorative and transformative. Mm-hmm process that mm-hmm. that is undertaken by the holy spirit and i think it's it's fine to be wise and prudent and careful about what our kids see and what they hear right. and where they go and who they spend the most time with but yet ultimately mm-hmm. it 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 means that jesus has to get a hold of their hearts mm-hmm. and start to change them from the inside out right and then all of those other external things really become less impactful to them in the first place because their heart is being transformed by God's grace. Mm -hmm. So our public announcement is don't be afraid of the world. (laughs) Don't be afraid of the world because we can't live in a cocoon. Greater, I mean, the scriptures say greater is he that is in you, Mm -hmm. greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. If you have the Holy Spirit indwelling your very being, why are we afraid of Satan? Mm -hmm. Why are we afraid of sin? We have the the cure, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, living in us, living through us. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last one is a compromised Christianity. That's the type where your life is characterized by parents whose actions don't match their beliefs. So you think the typical hypocrite, right? Like as a kid, you're Mm -hmm. like, well, my parents say this, but they don't do that. So right. whatever, I'm going to do my own thing. That can yeah. also spark yeah. rebellion. Yeah. So um, compulsory, cliche, comfortable, cocoon, compromised. Love the alliteration here. But these are yeah. just types of um, Christian homes that can play a part. Now, some kids have wonderful, wonderful parents that don't really fall into these categories, aren't trying to keep their kid in a cocoon, and they just struggle with a heart of rebellion. I think some people just have more of a bent towards mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some people it's pride, some people it's uh, fear, some people it's rebellion. And yeah. I think some for some of us, like you and I as firstborns, kind of more rule follower, goody mm-hmm. goodies, that wasn't natural. But I know a lot of other kids and a lot of other peers that just wanted nothing more than to buck the system yeah. all through childhood. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, we, we forget that, especially when it's our own kids, right, because it's painful and it's difficult to walk through with them. But this is part of their story. Mm-hmm. It's part of their, you know, they are writing their testimony. Yeah. And and it's a journey that they are on. And, you know, you can't skip ahead mm-hmm. with this kind of stuff. Sometimes you have to just walk through it. Yeah. Um, and they're, you know, not to say that there's a reason, you know, God has a reason behind their rebellion because that's our sin nature. But God works these things for good. Mm-hmm. And um, and think about some of the the 
best stories in the Bible, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I mean, parables that Jesus told, like the the prodigal son, but then also right. real stories of people who rebelled mm-hmm. um, and didn't obey, but then finally turned to God. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And and those are some of the greatest stories in the Bible because yeah. I think we see ourselves in that, mm-hmm. you know, and we're like, oh yeah. Yeah, like Jonah, go to Nineveh, and you're like, no. (laughs) Jonah is a great example, and he's sitting under the shade of this tree looking at Nineveh going, I cannot believe Mm -hmm. you forgave them, God. Mm -hmm. And so God just makes his little shady tree die, (laughs) you know. Um, (laughs) Oh, my. Yeah. Well, so uh, now that we kind of know some of the, I guess, behavior patterns as parents that mm-hmm. we want to try to avoid falling into with those five different sort of, um, I don't know, classifications or caricatures of Christians. And obviously, I think we all can see ourselves in those things some of the time, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so we're all we're always going to struggle to maybe not fall, not kind of slip into some of those things but what we're saying is is this a pattern for you is this how you live your life if it is those can be contributing factors to kids rebelling Mm -hmm. um for for various reasons but i think if you see that in your family i mean one of the first things to do is just to pray and ask the lord how to kind of right the ship yeah you know um, and so, uh, so many of those things come from um, a desire, especially kind of the cocoon Christianity type of of uh, approach to life, comes from a desire to do the right thing for your kid. Mm-hmm. Right. It's right. Great it comes intentions. from the right place, <laughs> but we get off track, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, and we start listening to lies rather than the truth, mm-hmm. and um, so. But what you just said, Karis, was kind of the first main point that we had here to restoring um, a rebellious child is talk things out with God before you discuss them with your rebellious child. So if you have a Mm -hmm. kid that is into uh, drugs, stealing, rage, lying, uh, any sort of self-destructive behaviors, it is so um, first nature, I think, for a parent to go and just want to ream them, correct them, read them the riot act. Uh, you know, lecture after lecture after lecture. And mm. I think it's important to remind ourselves, okay, before we go to this child, <laughs> we need to talk it out with God and listen to him, listen to God through prayer and his word. What does he say? How can he help us as parents approach these kids the right way? Because mm-hmm. sometimes it feels like it's a personal attack. Like, how dare you act like this? We have put a roof over your head. We feed you. We love you. We've mm-hmm. provided all these opportunities. We haven't raised you this way. And right. I get that. It feels like a righteous anger. Yeah. But at the same time, like, it's not going to be us that's going to change their heart. It's going to be God. So we need to start there first. Yeah. And I think often, you know, the, the behaviors that are, the rebellious behaviors that are visible to us, you know, mm-hmm. stealing, rage, um, you know, porn addiction, acting out, uh, you know, promiscuously mm-hmm. or substance abuse, substance abuse yeah. all of those things. To me, those that you're seeing the very top of that iceberg mm-hmm. in terms of what's actually going on in that child's heart and in their yeah. life. And so often those behaviors are a symptom of 
something much deeper Mm -hmm. that we may not know about, we may not see. Um, And so I think that prayer as a first step is so vital because we just need to open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit and to allowing, um, you know, ask God, what what is here that I don't see that I need to see? Mm -hmm. You know, what is what is at the root of all this? Right. Um, Because you can start, you know, trying to put your thumb on negative self-destructive behaviors but it's like why are they trying to self-destruct yeah <laughs> that's right. the question right. you know what's going on under the surface there mm-hmm. and um and that requires a soup some supernatural help i think a lot of the time yeah. and also i think kind of leaning into the next point here is we have to take the first step towards our kids especially mm-hmm. if they're at the peak of their hormones, they're angry, they don't want to be, you know, teenage rebellion. It is so easy to be like, well, good. I don't want to be around you either. You're yeah. to- you're toxic, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're mean to me, you're hurtful, you're breaking all of the rules that we've set for this family. But um, we have to remind ourselves as parents, we can't let our wounded hearts, you know, call the shots. We really need to move towards them like yeah. God does towards us. Mm-hmm. Like he is pursuing. And I always just think of the uh, prodigal son, right? Like when that yeah. child comes running home, the dad's not like, you know, he starts running towards him. He's yeah. not saying, oh, here we go. Here's the list of do's and don'ts. You know, I'm sure at that some point they had to <laughs> yeah. come to some <laughs> boundaries and conversations. But initially that dad was taking the first step and you know and opening up his heart to restoring and not living in that woundedness and i think as parents it's easy to be hurt and say well you're being mean i don't want to be around you yeah Uh, instead of no let me press in what's going on open your door can i come in and sit on your bed can we talk yeah (laughs) yeah well and you know that's that that parable that jesus told was actually a retelling of a very popular you know kind of story of the oral tradition of the time Mm. but he changed the ending Oh, you know, it, 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 typically in in um, you know Jewish circles, they would tell this story, and at the end, the father shuns the son, mm. you know, gives him what he deserves right. for what he did, and that's the end of the story. Mm. And that is the story that was passed down um, generation to generation to generation. But Jesus, so he's telling everybody a story that they already know, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, And and they're everybody's tracking. Yes, yes, this is what's going to happen. This and he said no. And then the father gathers up his robes and exposes his legs, which is not a thing that a dignified Jewish father did ever, Mm. right? And he starts, he takes off running for the son, and then they kill the fattened calf, and he puts a ring on his finger, and he gives him a party. Mm -hmm. That, I mean, that was the ending that, it's the upside down kingdom of God, right? Right. He said, I am not here Mm -hmm. to tell the story the same way it's always been told, because I know what I, where I'm going and what I'm going to do. He knows he's headed for the cross mm-hmm. and what his crucifixion is going to mean. You know, it's going to it's going to disrupt this kind of idea of everybody getting what they deserve. Right. Right. Because he's going to be grace for us. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, we have to move towards our kids because, uh, I mean, frankly, God moves towards us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When he doesn't have to. When right. we don't deserve it, mm-hmm. when we don't want it, sometimes you mm-hmm. know he's he kind of just pursues us, pursues yeah. us, and and um, 
and it can be quiet and gentle. Mm -hmm. And so I like what you said is like, hey, hey, let's chat. Let's let's talk. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes we have to try to approach with and this is hard when it's your own kid, but just a very open, non-judgmental posture mm-hmm. because they they just won't open up to us otherwise. Right. And if it's not you, if you have an aunt, an uncle, a family right. friend, because yeah, yeah. sometimes it's harder to talk to mom or dad. Right. And, and that's when you got to call on your backups and say, hey, can you? And I have been that person for other people. Um, and I hope that we're building a community around our kids that we can say, hey, you know, nudge, nudge over here, uncle or whoever, brother-in-law or friend, coach. Can you see what's going on here? Like, Mm -hmm. can you take a pulse on this? Because we need someone to take a first step and he's locked us out, he or she, you know? So just having, again, that's when it's helpful to have other, you know. Yeah people around that love your kids yeah. and want what's best for them. Well, and we've we've had other podcast conversations before about the importance of of cultivating, you know, uh, opportunities for your child to have mentor type relationships mm-hmm. in their life with people other than you. Yeah. You know, things like making time for them to be part of a youth group and mm-hmm. be part of a church community. That's, you know, that's where they're able to cultivate those kind of safe relationships so that when there is a, a thing that they're going through, they have people that they can go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The The third key to restoring a rebellious child is identify with their pain. And I am so painfully awkward at this. Mm-hmm. You are way better at <laughs> identifying emotions. Like my mm-hmm. middle child is just like me. He has like one feeling. It's just annoyed and or happy like that's it and so I had to get a feelings chart from Lakeshore Learning and it was like how do you feel push put your finger do you feel sad confused smile like joyful and I'd be like how are you feeling because he was just like I'm like I don't know what's going on and Mm -hmm. he doesn't even know how to explain it so some kids are like me and just like very emotionally stunted and for some reason cannot express emotions so but identifying with their pain and sometimes it's like you said putting that behavior aside and figuring out what's causing this is your daughter dressing like this because she's needing attention because she's feeling so insecure because nobody likes her and she's never had a crush and it's so humiliating that she's never you know had a boyfriend or whatever identify with that yeah i mean you could speak better to this because you're more (laughs) kind-hearted i have i mean i would love to know what it feels like to go a day without feeling other people's pain, mm-hmm. <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, because being an empath is a gift, but it's also like, whew, it's, heavy. it's a lot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you take on, if you feel what other people are feeling all the time, man, it's rough. Yeah. Because <laughs> even they're not feeling what they're feeling sometimes. Like mm-hmm. they're not allowing themselves to feel it. Yeah, and yeah. I do wonder, you know, I think some of that is hardwiring, but mm-hmm. a lot of the time, I also think it's self-protective. Mm-hmm. You know, people yeah. are not allowing themselves to fully engage their emotions because if they're afraid of what will happen if they do, mm-hmm. you know, and all the pain that they're going to sure. have to feel and all the difficult, you know, junk to you work know, junk through that or whatever. they're going to have to work yeah. through. And, and, you know, trauma does this to people. It's mm-hmm. part of how our brain protects us. Um, mm-hmm. But that energy yeah doesn't go nowhere it goes mm-hmm. i mean this sounds woo woo but this is how god designed <laughs> us right that energy goes into our bodies mm-hmm. we we store it there 
it makes yeah. us ill, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so some people are less emotional and they just mm-hmm. are, right? Because there's a spectrum of normal. But I, I do think sometimes when people have just difficult circumstances and mm-hmm. I do wonder with everything you went through with your brother mm-hmm. and how that was a formative time for you not to like shrink your head live <laughs> live fine. here on the podcast I love but it. but you know because he was so troubled and mm-hmm. you know if you really let yourself fully feel that mm-hmm. it's right. just so hard so I think yeah. our brains just kind of protect us sometimes totally. so but I do love that you got the chart for your son because it is I you know. have to sometimes you have to just identify yeah where's your pain intelligence <laughs> yeah Push the button yeah um I think identifying with their pain means believe primarily means believing people mm-hmm. when they tell you something right right not maybe it's not the way you would feel or you think you would feel in the same situation maybe mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense to you you don't identify with it but if somebody tells you i'm feeling this way take them at their word yeah you know believe them and um and that's a really good first step and and when it's our kids the kind of things that are going to bother them are not the kind of things that would bother us probably as sure. adults you know mm-hmm. they're in a different stage of development yeah. they're really you know it's a very insecure time mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's all sorts of chemical stuff in their bodies happening that they don't understand and, and their brains are not fully formed yet and all this Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So I think that's a, it's a good, um, entrance point into a conversation with them. It's just that empathy Yeah, to be like, man, I'm with you. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and it, it, again, going back to God as our, our father, our parent, um, we just had a sermon on this at church recently in Hebrews about how Jesus isn't this high priest who can't empathize with right. our weakness. He has, he was here. He felt mm. sin. He felt all the, the weight of the world. He felt all the emotions he had. He was tempted. He identifies with our struggles and our pain. And yeah. um, if our Lord can do that, how, what a great example for us to try, even if it's hard yeah. to identify with our, our kids pain. And like you said, not dismiss it and affirm it and, yeah. Again, but that doesn't give license to rebellion right. or breaking rules or boundaries. We're just trying to meet them where they're at. Right. And and do what Jesus does for us, which is walk with us even when, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and we can do that as parents with our kids. The fourth point to restoring a rebellious child um, from Dr. Tim Kimmel's book was, that sounds so formal, was own up to the negative part that you've played. I mean, we know we are the first every week to say we are not perfect parents. I don't know. (laughs) Hopefully no one thinks they're a perfect parent. And so sometimes um, being just a grace-based regular parent is not explaining or justifying the way that what you did, why you did, but being willing to apologize. And that is sometimes hard, but sometimes we have played a negative part in not always, but if we have or our child feels like we have, we can own up to that and yeah. apologize for that piece. Well, and I think that that touches back on, you know, those five mm-hmm. C's, the the types of yeah. Christians, cliche, cocoon, compulsory. I'm not going to get them all. Yeah. But comfortable and compromised. Comfortable and mm-hmm. compromised. Right. If you if you see yourself kind of falling into those behavior patterns mm-hmm. and how you have kind of set up the culture of your home. Yeah, that's something that you need to own. Mm-hmm. But it is amazing how quickly forgiveness just absolutely turns things around. Yeah. 
Um, and, uh, and it can just, you can make a lot of headway mm-hmm. by just saying, Hey, I, and, and for your kid, identify it, say, Hey, I, I've recognized recently that we, in an effort to protect you, we have kept things from you, assuming that that was going to, um, change your heart. And now mm-hmm. I see that it's all about the heart anyway, or if you've been, you know, hypocritical. It's like, look, I, I see now that I was putting on one face at church yeah. and a different face, face at home. And I wasn't letting God completely into my whole life. Mm-hmm. I was keeping him at bay in some areas in my life. Yeah. And I see that now. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I mean, we did a podcast on Apologies, yeah. give, how to give a yeah. good apology. And a big key in doing that well is identifying specifics, not just being like, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I'm sure I contributed. Are hurt. Yeah. <laughs> c- c- sorry if your feelings were hurt or sorry if I contributed to this. No. What did you contribute? Right. Name it, mm-hmm. claim it, right. and repent of it. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it is amazing how quickly that can, that can really turn things around. Mm-hmm. Can yeah. really melt, melt the ice. Um, another key would be to deal with the problem, not the person. So mm-hmm. this would mean like not attaching blame to their actions. And we've talked about this before. So if you have a child like that lied, yeah, yeah, or like if they got caught in a lie, I have a little Pinocchio at my house and mm-hmm. all the time I'll be like, where did that bag of candy go? This was mm-hmm. yesterday. Where did all your Valentines go? I don't know. Okay. Well, did, I told you to leave it in the laundry room. Is it? Um, yes. Okay, mm-hmm. where is it? I'm going to go in there and look. No, don't, don't. Just stay here. Close your eyes and look. turn around, Mom. Yeah. I, I got to do something. And he ran to his room. He had a bag of 90,000 candies jammed under his bed. And yeah. he came out and I said, okay. So attaching blame would say, you're a liar. Yeah. Versus right. that is dishonest and that was a lie. And our family tells the truth. The Brooks right. tell the truth. So it's, again, just not attaching blame to their action and shaming well, them over that. to their character. To their character, think, right. Right. Their you know, their actions, their behavior is what was wrong. Right. They aren't wrong. Exactly. And I think that that's the difference between, um, you know, guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, no, what they did was wrong yeah. they are guilty of Absolutely telling guilty. a lie like hoarding candy in but bed. hoarding candy or whatever <laughs> yeah. it is but um but yeah that you want to have someone feel the conviction of their actions mm-hmm. that leads them to repentance but shame yeah. typically does the opposite it right. will actually drive people further into these self-destructive behaviors mm-hmm. because they lose esteem for themselves right. they forget that no i'm worthy of better yeah i'm worthy of good and god says if i obey it's for my good mm-hmm. right and it so shame just really it's deflating it's, it's short yeah. circuits mm-hmm. that that feedback loop that's so important mm-hmm. for being able to choose better behavior yeah, I like how you said that. Uh, the sixth key to restoring a rebellious child is to figure out how you can cooperate with them rather than compete. So that this just refers to finding some sort of common ground with something where you can yeah. both agree. And the idea is our goal is unity here, not victory. I think sometimes when mm. we're going back and forth with a kid, it's like, we want to win. <laughs> like, <laughs> I yeah. want to be the victor in this. And really, that's not the goal because you don't, you want everyone to win. That's such a, a cliche. But um, 
I'm just trying to think of a great, can you think of any examples where you can cooperate rather than compete with a kid that's maybe struggling with a big issue of rebellion with? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think, I think the cooperation piece is asking our kids to cooperate on the solution. Mm. Um, you know, it's one thing to say like, here's what you did. Here's what we're going to do about it. Here's the consequence. But sometimes, you know, you can say, hey, what do you think needs to happen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do you think we solve this problem? Yeah. Now, they may choose that they don't want to cooperate and they don't want to participate. That's mm-hmm. absolutely a possibility. Um, and because they're just kind of digging further into rebellion. Mm-hmm. And honestly, at the end of the day, that's a heart issue. Right. Right. External consequences are necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and God disciplines us because he loves us. Right. So we have, we should discipline our kids. It's not about just letting them off the hook and all the leniency. But but ultimately, until their heart changes, they could even go through the motions of yeah. obedience. But their heart is still rebelling. Mm hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and I actually think that happens more often than we realize. Right. It's that quiet internal rebellion that it's so insidious because the external behaviors aren't there. You know, when when our kid actually acts out, we can see it kind of as a gift. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can shift our focus to say, thank you, Lord, that that this is something that I can see mm-hmm. that is tangible to help me recognize the work that you need to do and that you are doing in my child's heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so asking them to cooperate with you on the solution, what do you think the rule should be? You're right. What, yeah. you know, what do you think should happen if the rule is broken? Mm-hmm. Um, because you're asking for their buy-in. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that can reveal a lot about why they're doing what they're doing, too. Mm-hmm. Um because Sorry. behavior always has people do not do things for no reason they right. don't they may not know what the reason is we don't mm-hmm. know what the reason is nobody knows what the re- you know but there is a reason there's always a root mm-hmm. um and so i think that it can help to reveal it and then rather than competing um with them and and causing again this sense especially if it's if it's somebody who tends to be hardwired to want to kind of buck the system. Yeah. And that's actually not a bad thing mm-hmm. necessarily. Right. Like it, it can be a way that they're created by God because they're going to see things differently. They're mm-hmm. going to take a different approach to life. They're going to come up with creative solutions, but it's just being applied in a way that is undesirable, right? <laughs> right. So when you're dealing with that type of a kid, if if they sense that this is a competition for power mm-hmm. and that this is about gaining control, right? Get ready, yeah, because they're going to dig their heels rough. in, and it's going to become a battle. Mm-hmm. And rather than making everything a battle, you can seek their cooperation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is one of the reasons that I like to say: try to give everybody in your family as much freedom as possible. Mm-hmm. Right, because then you you're you're releasing a lot of the the battles that you don't need to be fighting, so that right. when it does come time that it's like I gotta die on this hill. It's mm-hmm. too important not to. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the energy, and you've also built the rapport right. to be able to say, "Look, everybody gets a lot of freedom. You have a lot of freedom, but this is not for your good." Mm-hmm. And I can't sit back and just let you destroy your life. Right. I love you too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, 
I think that's how that plays out. And it's um, a good word. I like that. Yeah. The last point that we have is don't aim aim at resolving. Aim at restoring. Hmm. Um, and being an Enneagram 3, I'm a fixer. So I, I like to, let's yeah. resolve this. Let's come up with a solution. And and really understanding the grace-based message and understanding the gospel does transform your heart to realize, like, it's not about a checklist. Because mm. like you said, they could do the right thing and resolve, say they're drinking and driving, and they, you know, they have to pay a fine. They lose their license. They can't drive, you, you know, right. all these things. But is your relationship restored? Because right. in 10, 20 years, when you have a 30-year-old child, a 40-year-old child, do they want to come home for the holidays and be with you? Do they know that you have their best interests? Do they feel your love and your forgiveness? Yeah. Or did they just check the box to do what they needed to do to get out of trouble, but they're resentful and they're bitter because you shamed them and dragged them through yeah, the mud yeah. and there's no relationship. So I think with kids, they're not always, you're not always going to agree on rules and boundaries. I think right. my kid's bedtime should be at 730. They want to go to bed at night. Like we're never going to agree, but I right. think our goal is um, heart connection and restoration mm-hmm. um, ultimately so we can have a long, long relationship and we might not always agree with their choices. And yeah. I see adults now that are in their 40s, 50s, and their parents are still grieved over like, why are they struggling in this, in this mm-hmm. addiction? Why yeah. can't they make their marriage work? This is breaking my heart. Mm. But I think as parents, when our goal is to just stay in relationship with them and keep restoration on the forefront in our minds, I think in the long run, that's going to be what's best for their relationship with the Lord because it's going to model what God does to us by giving us grace and showing Mm -hmm. us forgiveness, but also having discipline and boundaries. Right. Um, yeah. But it's a hard balance. It is. Well, and this is the gospel. Is right. that while we were, you know, God demonstrated his own love for us in that while we were still sinning, mm-hmm. Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. And so when you look of, at the order of operations there, <laughs> right, uh, the restoration was first, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus paid the price for our sin. He brought the healing. I, I like to think of atonement more from a from a healing model, mm-hmm. from a therapeutic model than than from a legal model. I mean, right. he he had the cure mm-hmm. for the sin that was killing us all. Mm-hmm. Right? It, we we were going to die. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. In fact, is what the Bible mm-hmm. said. And, and he's like, look, this is the this is the vile of antidote yeah my blood shed for you will cure you Mm -hmm. and it wasn't so that restoration happened first Mm -hmm. and then the resolving of the behavior right follows sometimes and sometimes not Mm -hmm. i mean that's grace like some people don't have a, a a long enough sanctification process to work through some of the things and honestly you know We'll get to the end of our lives and and we'll still be sinners. We'll still be people who struggle with the same kind of sin patterns. Mm -hmm. And so if resolving was the goal, well, we all have failed. But that's that's why the gospel is so beautiful, because Mm -hmm. Jesus says no restoration now. Yeah. While you're still sinning, Mm -hmm. while you're continuing to sin. Um, I'm going to restore your place Mm -hmm. in the, in the kingdom of God, restore your place in the family. Mm -hmm. And we can do that. We can live out the gospel in our homes when we, um, when we say, look, what you're doing is wrong. It has real consequences Mm -hmm. that I can't shield you from. Right. And, um, there is a price to pay for choices. That's 
the world we live in. Mm -hmm. But you're mine. You get to be here with me. We get to be together. You're loved. You're valued. You're honored. Here's your seat at the table. Mm -hmm. You know, here's the father running to the prodigal son who, you know, had not resolved all the issues Mm -hmm. that he caused, but he was restored to the family just instantly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's... That's the upside down kingdom of God. Oh, I love that phrase. Well, we hope these suggestions will guide you as you begin your healing journey. And as Kara said, God is a God of hope and Mm. healing. And here at Family Matters, we want to be instruments of reformation, restoration and reformation. So we're talking about restoring and then reforming. Right. Um, So we are here for you. If we can encourage you, we get emails all the time for parents from parents who are struggling with rebellious um, teens adult children, mm-hmm. everything. I mean, we, we understand. So uh, please email us. We will be praying for you. Our email is family at family. Nope. Sorry. <laughs> Someday we're going to know the right email address. Oh my gosh. It's okay. Family at gracebasedfamilies.com. Wow. Yes. Muscle memory, tongue memory. I cannot yeah. remember that to say that, but we want to support you. And we know we're not making light of rebellion because it can really grieve a parent's yeah. heart. Yeah. But we're here for you. Thank you for listening to the Grace-Based Families podcast. This is part of Grace-Based Families Ministry. For more resources, check us out on gracebasedfamilies.com slash podcast or stream us on all major podcasting platforms. Once again, this is Karis and Michelle. Until next time.